Hey sickos, I'm LJ. And I'm Toe. And this is Say Psycho Right Now. Say Psycho Right Now is a true crime and paranormal podcast. Some content may be considered disturbing or graphic. We don't typically provide trigger warnings due to the nature of the content we discuss. Listener discretion is advised. We are also potty mouths. If you're not put off by that, shout out you. Buckle up and get ready for another episode of Say Psycho. To shop brand merchandise, access our socials, or become a Patreon member with access to early episodes and bonus content, find us on any social media platforms and consult the link tree in our bio, or go to www.patreon.com slash psycho right now. You can also follow us on our socials or wherever you stream your podcasts and leave a five-star review if you're enjoying our content so that we can continue to reach more people. Following us on Patreon enables us to produce more content and enables you to access more content. So we highly recommend checking that out. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us for part two of Madeline McCann. Yes, welcome back. So for this episode, as you guys know, if you listen to part one, we're primarily going to be focusing on the suspect for part two of the case. We're going to give you a lot of information that I think you probably haven't heard, even if you've been following this case for a long time. You might have caught like headlines here and there. But I've yet to see anything so far personally where all of this was compiled in such a way where it's easy to follow and understand the timeline with the suspect and what all is going on comprehensively. Seasoned true crime people will uh, feel like they walked away from this episode knowing more than when they came in. We love when that happens. Absolutely. So I guess let's just jump right into this one. So according to a 60 Minutes Australian episode that is available on YouTube, 13 years after Madeline's abduction, German prosecutors alleged on June 4th of 2020 
that they presume Madeline to be deceased. The prime suspect was announced to be a convicted 43-year-old sex offender from Germany named Christian Bruckner, who has expansive criminal history in Portugal and resided near the Praia de Luge resort where Madeline was abducted. Christian Bruckner was born in 1976 as Christian Fischer in Bavaria, but was given up by his birth mother and placed in a children's home in Wurzburg, where he was eventually adopted by the Bruckner family and took on their surname. His criminal background began in 1992 when he was arrested on suspicion of burglary in his teens. Mm, His first... I know. And this is just like the tip of the iceberg of an expansive criminal history that we're going to kind of look at here. So yeah, that first arrest was in 1992 on suspicion of burglary in his teen years. And his first conviction took place just two years later in 1994 for sexually abusing a young girl on the playground in Wurzburg. He was... Yeah, it really, like, seemed to escalate from there. He received a two-year sentence to the German, like, think whatever the juvie equivalent is over there, right? And his charges were abusing a child and performing a sex act in front of a child. 1995, so just a year later, he moved to Portugal and lived as a vagrant. So what we can gather from that is even though he was convicted of those crimes and sentenced to two years, is that he must have gotten some type of early release for quote-unquote good behavior is what it what you would deduce based on I'm sorry, did you say he got two years for that? Yeah, two years. Two years. In juvie, basically. That makes me want to do things that I can't talk about publicly. The sentencing for some of these crimes, like, I hear the crime and then I hear the sentence and I just want to punch somebody in the face. I I just think that, like, you know, I don't know. If you're a child molester, you should be just locked up forever and ever. Yeah, well, it, the thing is, there are some crimes or, like, some things that you can be convicted of, right, where you yeah. can be rehabilitated. Okay? Absolutely. And I'm a big... I, I think... I'm, I'm, I'm big on that. Yeah, I need to say don't get me again. wrong. I'm a proponent for rehabilitation of that's the word I was people. looking for. Proponent, thank you. No problem. I just don't feel that child sex crimes, like abducting people, murder, attempted yeah. murder, things like that, like you're probably not going to be rehabilitated successfully. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, like, there are so many people sitting in prison over bullshit, petty stuff that they did, you know, for survival. Yeah, And, and that's not what we're talking about here. We, it's just but, like, yeah. Yeah, crimes like this where it's, like, sexually motivated crimes especially – have Mm. a statistically very low rate of rehabilitation and crimes against children as well tend to be crimes that you know aren't 
easily rehabilitated in the population of people who commit these types of crimes. I love how politically correct LJ is. She's like, well, statistically, this is improbable. And I'm like, lock them up and throw away the key, bitches. (laughs) Well, statistically, those are the facts. And subsequently, lock them up and throw away the key, bitches. (laughs) That's where I'm at. (laughs) Absolutely. God. So, yeah, Uh, I mean, basically, he serves like a year from what we can gather based on this timeline for sexually abusing a child, which is deplorable. And then he moved to Portugal and lived as a vagrant, right? He worked catering jobs in Portugal, but between 1995 to 2017, he bounced back and forth between the Praia de Luz area in Portugal and his home country of Germany. He was a career criminal, and he made his living by dealing drugs and stealing, and he was much known to break into vacation homes and hotels to steal and would obviously like flip those things for a profit and that was how he made his money in 2011 he was convicted in Nibol, germany of dealing narcotics and in 2015 he was given 15 months in prison for sexual abuse of a child in the act of creating and possessing child pornographic material. So, obviously, somebody who is is showing again and again, one, not only can he not be rehabilitated to be a functional member of society, but he's escalating, essentially. Literally! Why is he not in the electric chair? Or something. Right. Like, at at the very least, at the very least, why is he not serving substantial prison time to where he's not going to be out and eligible to hurt somebody until he's so old he can barely wipe his own ass? Honestly. That's what I want to know. So, this brings us to June of 2017. He was extradited from Portugal back to Germany to serve out his sentence for this conviction. Now, if you heard me, what did I say? June of 2017, he was extradited to serve his sentence in Germany. Okay. Can you guess when he was released? Can you guess? Oh my God. Do I even want to guess? You don't want to guess. I'm just going to tell you and just prepare to be outraged. 2018. 2018, he was released. Okay. Yeah. Germany? Suck a dick. Yeah, do better, Germany. Do better. That's so outrageous to me that he could have CSA materials, you know. I mean, not that that we're doing much better over here across the pond, but I mean, come the fuck on. This is ridiculous. Truly. So, we, we see he's released in 2018, and he's living on the streets, he's selling drugs again, And then he's jailed for more drug-related offenses. In September of 2018, which is to say he wasn't drugged very long now, was he? Drugged? He wasn't jailed very long, is what I intended to say. So, this brings us to September of 2018. He's arrested in Milan, Italy, and extradited to Germany. And at this point, he is put on trial for the rape of an American tourist which took place in 2007. 
the reason why he was put on trial was because they had run some DNA and there was a DNA match to his hair that was found at the crime scene. So he's actually, yeah. Thankfully, thankfully, at this point, he's currently incarcerated in Kiel. I think I'm saying that correctly. I hope it's K-I-E-L. He's incarcerated there, serving a seven-year sentence. Such a small sentence for this type of a crime, I feel like. But whatever. He's still in jail right now. Yeah. The woman that he raped was a 72-year-old elderly woman. For the love of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like a scum of the scum. This took place in Portugal in 2005, two years before Madeline disappeared, and it said that the rape was particularly violent, and the victim was subjected to various forms of torture and sexual assault over a period of several hours. According to the police report, he forced his victim to strip naked, and she was bound and gagged. She was made to stand up and was repeated a metal object all over her body, and he videotaped the entire attack for his personal pleasure and future use. So, deplorable, deplorable, deplorable. Um, a real shit human being, if you can even call him a human being. Literally negative 86 stars. Yeah. So, this brings us to Mark Hoffman, who is a Berlin-based crime and intelligence analyst. He worked with law enforcement as an expert on the case of Madeline McCann, and specifically, he was used largely for evaluating Christian Bruckner's history and how his criminal profile would potentially match a potential suspect in Madeline's case. Yeah, so he said that Bruckner demonstrates signs of psychopathy and has a track record of committing progressively more violent crimes, being incarcerated, released, and then not only repeating, but also escalating the behavior. He said that serial offenders desire power and control, and that means that they're more likely to offend near where they live so that they can have the upper hand while carrying out these crimes. Christian lived less than one kilometer from the Ocean Club Resort where Madeline was abducted at the time. So he would have had the opportunity in, in terms of proximity, in terms of fitting the profile of somebody who you would expect to be more familiar with the area and to like be a resident to carry out that type of a crime. So it was suspected that Madeline was taken between 9 to 10 p.m. that night and Christian's phone was pinging from the immediate area of her hotel room during this time so prosecutors feel pretty confident that they can actually place him at the scene of her abduction which is huge so he also had a phone call take place about an hour before madeline was abducted and the person on the other side of the call has not been publicly identified by name but has been identified in the media by the police as being a potential key witness. Um, It was also discovered that the day after Madeline went missing, 
Christian deregistered a second car that he owned, which compiled with everything else is suspicious at best, right? Yeah, for sure. And then additionally, if you look at side-by-side sketches, like, oh, one second, three, two, one. If you look at side-by-sides of the sketches put out by the police department based on witness testimonies from the night Madeline went missing, next to photos of Christian Bruckner near the time of the abduction, there's also a really striking resemblance from the sketches next to images of his likeness around the time of her abduction. And then in 2007... Bruckner fled Portugal during the expansive search act. Oh my god, my words are hard. Three, two, one. Then in 2007, Bruckner fled Portugal during the expansive search efforts for Madeleine McCann and moved to Brunswick in Germany, where he ran a kiosk next to a kindergarten and junior school, which to me should not have been allowed. Based on his criminal background at yeah, this what point. What the hell right? is like, going on? Yeah. It said that he would sell candy to the school children and give the kids free lollipops. He told an anonymous former friend that he planned to create a dungeon in his home cellar and had fantasies of torturing someone there. Now, this anonymous source did participate in the BBC 60 Minutes Australia special, and I'm unfortunately not clear if this friend ever reported these fantasies that were disclosed to him to the authorities and ended their friendship, but, like, if I had to go out on a limb and guess, I would imagine that he did, given that he was actively participating in the documentary and, like, willing to, you know, speak up about what was said to him you know like you you would speculate but i i don't have any like tangible records that can confirm or deny that so just for the sake of being clear there and then in 2013 we have excerpts from a pedophile chat room um that have been made public in which christian bruckner allegedly made disturbing statements about a desire he had to, quote, catch something small and use it for days, end quote, stating he planned to document exactly how he planned to carry out torture. He also said some things that I personally am not going to repeat, but it was essentially explicit things he wanted to do to a little girl. And he says he doesn't plan to just talk about his fantasy but to do it and leave no evidence. So that was actual records that were obtained from a chat room verified to be Christian Bruckner. It's very disturbing. Yeah. Now, in 20, another young girl named Inga Garrick disappeared on the 2nd of May, almost six years to the day after Madeline was abducted. A black van that matched the description of a vehicle that Christian owned at the time was reportedly seen leaving the site of Inga's abduction, but unfortunately, Inga was never found. Christian was living nearby Inga at the time of her abduction, which took place on a family camping trip during a barbecue. 
She was last seen playing among other children while they went off to collect firewood. This was nearby the Wilmshop, an assisted living facility located in the district of Stendhal. And it has been stated in the German media that Bruckner booked a parking space in a rest area less than 60 miles from the spot where Inga disappeared around the time of her abduction near Schoenbeck. Nine months after... Yeah. And, I mean, it's worth noting that technically he's never been charged in this. It's just sure is a lot of coincidence. So all of this is alleged at the time of this recording, right? Just for legalities, whatever. Now, nine months after Inga went missing, Bruckner's farmhouse in Neuegerleben, Neuegerleben, German's hard. German is hard. Just pretend that I said that properly. Good, good. So, this was nine months after Inga went missing. His farmhouse in Neuegerleben was raided in February of 2016 in connection with Inga's disappearance. But nothing is known to have come of that search that was released to the public. That's not to say that nothing came of the search, but at the very least, publicly, we're unaware, right? Mm, Now, separately, Bruckner made a drunken confession to a friend at some point that ultimately resulted in a tip being sent to law enforcement. This tip led to law enforcement gaining access to a hideout in an abandoned building that Christian owned in Portugal, where he hid evidence of old hard drives and USB drives inside a plastic bag under the body of his deceased dog. Which, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck is going on here? Yeah. So, Christian also had a camper van on the property, which unfortunately was found to have contained the swimsuits of little girls. Thousands of images and videos were alleged to be retained during this search, and Prosecutor Walter did make a statement advising that he can neither confirm nor deny at this point in the investigation that any of these images or videos contained depictions of Madeline. Mark, the expert crime and intelligence analysis expert on the case that we were talking about earlier, he touched further on Bruckner's criminal pattern. He said that a lot of people initially don't understand why Bruckner would be considered for this crime for Madeline's case and Inga's case when his previous conviction was for crimes against an elderly woman, right? But people tend to think that because Madeline was a young child, the victim's profiles are too dissimilar for the crimes to have been committed by the same person. But Mark says that many child molesters are actually not pedophiles, which when he said that, I was like, pump the brakes. What are you talking about? But bear with me. Hang in here for a second and just follow this train of thought, right? Okay. So, Mark says that many child molesters are not pedophiles, rather people who need a sense of power, meaning they wouldn't target a victim specifically based on being sexually attracted to children, 
but on a victim's general vulnerability. So a person like this might have record of targeting children. Absolutely, yes. But they also might have record of targeting the elderly, targeting the disabled. The goal is to abduct and assault victims and achieve a sense of power, not specifically Mm. to achieve sexual satisfaction due to attraction to minor children. So... With this information, he says that the victim types are actually not a contradiction at all. He actually argues that they're one of the strongest similarities that links these cases together, which that's something that I'd never thought about. It was very difficult for me to understand him saying that child molesters aren't necessarily pedophiles, because to me, it's like, I could never think of a child sexually, period. Sure. You know? Yeah, Absolutely. But that said, I could also never consider the possibility of sexually, physically, mentally, or otherwise abusing an elderly person or a disabled person. So I guess what he's saying is that it's not the anatomy of a child that attracts him or even the essence of a child. It is specifically the disproportionate vulnerability of a variety of populations, one of which happens to be children. Still absolutely deplorable. So deplorable. And by no means justifying it. He's not justifying it at all. But I thought that explanation... What he's saying, it makes sense. Like, I hate it, but it also makes sense. Exactly. It's not something that I ever would have considered or thought about. You know what I mean? But... Mm -hmm. Once he explained it, I'm like, okay, I can understand that logic. Do I love it? No, I hate it. But I, it makes sense. So exactly. Marks, yeah. So Mark says that it's likely that Bruckner would have killed Madeline for multiple reasons. The first being that this would be the natural course of escalation of his fantasies. But then also the practical reason that Madeline was old enough to talk And Bruckner would have wanted to prevent her from implicating him in the crime, especially since he's now being convicted more, right? He's actually serving some time. So the prosecutor's office said that there are other investigations taking place all over Germany. And Prosecutor Walters was not able to say with any certainty that Christian Bruckner is a serial killer, but it certainly seems that that is an angle that's being explored by law enforcement. Yeah, in May of 2023, so very, very, very recent at the time of this recording, because we're just in June here, so this is very recent development. Law enforcement began searching a reservoir 45 minutes from where Madeline went missing. This was the second search of the same reservoir that was originally searched in 2008, thanks to the funding of a Portuguese lawyer. And nothing was found during the first search in 2008 that proved relevant to the case, at least, again, that was not publicly divulged. However, divers did say that visibility was not good at the time of the search in 2008. In 2014, a search was led by Metropolitan Police much closer to the Praia de Luz area, Mm, but that also turned up nothing that was, again, made public knowledge. Now, law enforcement has honed in on this reservoir area, as Christian Bruckner is known to have made trips to this area around the time that Madeline went missing. 
a mile long area of the peninsula was sealed off and about 20 officers were assigned to search that area for two days and it's apparent that the german police have more information than is being made publicly available and that they are likely searching this area a second time based on intel that has been uncovered during their investigation because what's really significant is that this search is being led by the german officials and is directly led to their investigation on Bruckner, right? So there are jurisdiction issues between Germany and Portugal that have posed problem throughout the case because both, or sorry, three, two, one. There are jurisdiction issues between Germany and Portugal that have posed issue throughout the case but both entities seem to now be collaborating to ensure that they can tie up necessary loose ends in their respective investigations without creating a technicality that later allows the perpetrator to walk away from the crime. Yeah, Bruckner says that he has committed many crimes, but the abduction and murder of Madeleine McCann is not one of them, and he maintains his innocence at this time. According to a news article from Jack Walters of CBN, Police are comparing soil from a reservoir in Portugal to samples found in Christian Bruckner's camper van. Investigators believe Bruckner visited Berigam do Arade Reservoir just days after Madeline's disappearance. Detectives hope comparing the samples can prove the 45-year-old was in the area at the time the toddler vanished. An insider told the Daily Mirror that police can close the net around Bruckner if the soil samples reveal a positive match. According to another article from News Talk ZB, Prosecutor Walters gave a bold statement in a TV interview on a show called Sabato. He said, We are sure he is the murderer of Madeline McCann. We are sure he killed Madeline. The host, Sandra Filigueras, pressed Walters asking whether it was true that you have found something of Madeline McCann in Christian Bruckner's van. Walters replied, I'm not going to comment on the details of the investigation. But when pressed by the interviewer, she said, but you can't deny it. And Walters responded, I don't want to deny it. So that's pretty Mm. significant to say something without saying something. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, and that course. that was direct quotes from the article. By the way, I don't want anybody to think we're plagiarizing here. That's why we cite the source. That was all direct from that source. So when Madeline was taken, she was wearing patterned pink Winnie the Pooh Eeyore pajamas, and Aww. there's speculation. I know, I know that like broke my heart when I read it because it just puts into perspective for you. You know that three is a small child, right? Yeah. And I'm like, my babies love Winnie the Pooh. They love Eeyore. They're so little. And just to think of this little girl being snatched with her favorite Disney PJ. You know what I mean? It's just heartbreaking. I know. So there's speculation that what investigators found were fibers from her pajamas. The prosecutor did that he hopes to soon charge Bruckner over Maddie's disappearance. Under German law, details of a police investigation cannot be made public until a suspect and their legal team are given full details of the case against them, 
which has been the reason at this time for information not being made fully public throughout the course of the investigation. The prosecutors also confirmed in this interview that he has no relationship with the McCanns and hasn't spoken to them during the investigation. Kate and Jerry acknowledge what would have been Madeline's 20th birthday with a Facebook post on May 12th of 2023, which read, Happy birthday, Madeline. We love you and we're waiting for you. We're never going to give up. She's still missing. She's still missed. And we are never going to give up trying to find her. So that's all I have on today's case, part two of the Madeline McCann story. It sounds like German prosecutors are really closing in on building this case. And I would imagine, because, you know, he's in the middle of serving that sentence right now. I'm sure that their goal is, like, right now he's locked up. They know that he can't get out. And they're just trying to muster up every piece of forensic evidence that they possibly can with this case from 2007. You know, it's now 2023 to ensure that whatever forensic evidence they can find to link him and, like, lock away the key for life that they do, I would imagine. That's the goal here. Uh, Yeah, I would imagine they're not going to let him get out without slapping those charges on him. Yeah. And I'm sure that they just also probably want to avoid slapping charges on him right this second if they don't feel that they have every last item that they need to adequately put him away for life and make sure that their case is, like, sealed. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Considering they fucked um, up the last 20 times they fucking put him away. Literally. And obviously, when they did that, I mean, he just kept getting out, kept hurting more people. And here we are. So they've got to do it right this time. Better. I'll personally riot. Absolutely. I will join you. Great. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, we will see you guys next week. Toodaloo. Bye. Oh no! Did we perform a fuckeroni?